Welcome to the Garden Culture Podcast hosted by me, Bailey Van Tassel. I'm a self-taught gardener, busy wife and mother, and small business owner on a mission to live a garden-inspired life. Each month, we will explore what's going on in the garden and fields, as well as get to know incredible people who infuse their own lives with the magic of the garden. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned here, please visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Garden Culture Podcast with me, Bailey Van Tassel. I felt really inspired to come in with, maybe it's like a mini-sode, but I really wanted to chat with you guys about seed catalogs because it's winter, happy winter, and now is the time of year. I know we've already recapped a little bit on like the dreaming and inspiration for the season. Uh, being something that we should be doing. But I also want to chat with you guys about all the business of seeds because the seed catalogs should be coming in the mail and we're all being cozy and practicing our huga and doing all the sitting by the fire moments. But like a kid at Christmas, we get to indulge in circling all the things we want in our seed catalogs and then deciding what we're going to grow. So you guys all know I have a big process for all of this and I'm actually thinking I will host a workshop, a free workshop around it. But for today, we are just going to chat how to choose your seeds and how to properly read a seed catalog, which sounds really silly. But once I understood some of the mechanics of the seed catalogs, it really helped me up level in my gardening journey. So There are four catalogs that I get. I get Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds. I get Johnny Selected Seeds. I think it's called, I call it just Johnny Seeds. I get the Territorial Seed Co. And then I get Annie's Annuals, which is hyper-local, I'm pretty sure. Those are the catalogs I tend to get. I look through all of them. There's obviously some overlap. There are some differences in shipping and pricing. um, And I will explain some of that to you. So Starting backwards, Annie's Annuals, I think is really, it's got to be a West Coast or California thing. They sell it at my local nursery, but I wanted to upgrade some of the flowers, especially cut flowers I was growing and they have some really unique varieties. So that's why we get her. Then I get Territorial Seed Co. catalog because I always order my garlic from them. My Auntie Pammy orders her garlic from them. You guys all know that Auntie Pammy is you know, the Messiah when it comes to gardening. So we do what she does. Um, And I often find Territorial has some other good varieties when it comes to like potatoes and onions and things like that. Then I use Johnny's catalog to really set the tone for the specifics of what I should be growing. And I'm going to dig really deep here in a minute on that, which really goes into how to choose seeds specific to your hardiness zone Um, They have a lot of seeds that have been adapted and made more resistant to certain things. They're still organic seeds, but often they'll be um, like hybridized to just do better in your zone. Um, And then I love Baker Creek, Baker Creek heirloom seeds. They've got the biggest variety of really unique to grow seeds and just all of the plants that are so fun. I actually 
oscillate the most between Baker Creek and Johnny's, depending on what I want to grow. But Baker Creek has fantastic edible flowers. They have a lot of unique, super heirloom, very rare seeds. They're known for that. And I just love the way they do their catalog. They've got these vibrant colors. They're always sharing about recipes, what to cook, how to use the seeds. And I just really feel like they're on a mission to keep these heirloom seeds alive and going. So that's like the landscape. I'll have all of these companies linked in the show notes, and then you guys can go to their sites and sign up to get their catalogs. But I want you to understand from there what we do next. So how to read a seed catalog. So first and foremost, you're going to want to choose seeds that are hardy to your zone. So your U.S. hardiness zone, FYI, they they just changed the hardiness zones. And a lot of people are like one zone higher. So if you were zone 7B, a lot of people are tracking now as zone 8A. I will also put a link so that you can find your new zone if this is news to you. Um, Mine stayed the same, 10B, and we can all debate why they made these changes, but very interesting. So how it's going to impact you if you see now that your zone is changed and basically being impacted as like a warmer climate, um, you're just going to be able to have most likely a little bit more room in your season. And you may have already, if you've been gardening for a while, noticed that your frost dates are showing up later. So, um, it's a good thing for gardeners, maybe not a great thing for the planet. I'm not really sure. I haven't done a ton of research on why they updated it. I actually would love to dedicate an episode to that coming up. So we'll put a pin in it. I also want to mention, I apologize. I'm sniffling a little bit. Um, I, uh, through traveling, got a little, caught a little bit of a, a little bit of a moment. So I'm sounding a little less myself, but hang in there with me. Okay. So we're reading our seed catalogs. We're obviously focusing on our hardiness zone and we're choosing plants based around what's hardy to us. All that being said, in zone 10, obviously my climate is very mild. I can grow a lot of things that are maybe not even hardy to my zone. So I always push it. You can get to know your zone best. If it's sold at a local nursery, um, it's an indication it could potentially obviously grow where you are. If you're confused about it, ask someone. And when you are in a mild climate, like we are, sometimes the challenge is not whether or not it, the, sometimes the challenge for us is we don't get enough cold. So we don't get enough of a cool season, especially for like fruit trees. I'm thinking stone fruit, like plums, peaches, nectarines, those need chill hours to really thrive. And we don't get a frost most of the time. So we have to choose very specific varieties when it comes to chill that's required. Heat, not an issue. So that's something to know when we're getting to know our zones. Now, the next thing that you'll want to know, and or maybe you need to start going into research mode a little bit, Googling this, is which pests and diseases are most prevalent in your zone. And this is actually going beyond hardiness zone and really going into your microclimate. I have a girlfriend who's in zone nine in North Carolina, and my parents are in zone nine in Northern California. Uh, They're actually, I guess, maybe high altitude central California for being technical, and their climates are so different. So my girlfriend in the Carolinas gets a ton of humidity, a ton of mildew. They have 
entirely different pests than my parents who get like a hardcore freeze, really hot, dry summers. Um, They don't tend to get a ton of mildew, but they've got other issues going on. They obviously have a hard freeze. So they're totally different. It's important to understand what your garden is plagued with. And then some of us just all get the same issues, right? But myself in zone 10, I get a lot of mildew. So that's something I'm always trying to have my plants be more resistant to. We get a lot of aphids. We've seen a lot of cucumber beetles. I've had a grub issue this year, Um, tons of grasshoppers. So start to build a bank of knowledge around these things. Hopefully you're taking note in your garden journal. And then when you explore the seed catalogs and Johnny's is the best for this, it will tell you the seeds that are better suited for certain being resistant to certain pests and diseases and fungus, et cetera. So that's something to really look into and to read the fine print on. Next, of course, are the sun requirements. And usually there's like a little sun icon that's either all white, all shaded in or half and half, indicating if the plant does well in full partial or shade, full sun, partial sun or shade. Um, And you know, you know me, I like to, I like to always be testing these things, but it is important, especially if someone needs full sun or full shade, like give that to your plant or have a plan for how you're going to introduce that when the time comes. So if you're going to need more shade, plant them strategically up against a wall or a tree that will cast that, you know, think through that and then um, make sure to make, you know, build the trellis or make the placement you want to place. But it is fun to test that. I'm thinking for myself something like, I don't know, if I want to grow spinach more year round, how can I interplant my spinach with something like corn that's going to cast shade and see how I can eke out a little bit more time with that crop. So this is how we start thinking a little bit more strategically and a little more deeply around the seeds we're ordering, where we're placing them, when we're eating them. Next up that we want to think about, it's another up level for gardeners, is days to maturity. Because this is what's going to help us understand how much time and space these crops are going to take in our beds. And then If it's a crop we succession sow, do we want to get multiple varieties that mature in a different date range so we can get even more? So for example, and I've used this before with like beets, um, certain beets can be maturing at a shorter or longer amount of time. So like a Detroit red might mature in 80 days and a Chiogia beet I hope I'm saying that right, might mature in like 65 days. So you want to make sure that you're sowing them at different intervals so that you're constantly pulling up a continuous yield as opposed to just getting one bumper crop and then throwing everything into storage or you're pickling your beets now or you're making beet chips. Like obviously do all of that if you want to do it. But if you want to and have the space to really even things out and sow them successively. So you're kind of sowing them as you eat them and they're popping up as you need them. That tends to be a sweet spot in the garden. And then when we have excess, we move into preservation, but that's keeping us eating really seasonally. Again, it kind of depends on the goals for your garden. Um, And we'll talk about that in a second as well, because we are going to go into choosing plants, which is the best, but 
This is something to think about when it comes to the different varieties are the days to maturity because of succession sowing and just mapping out when things go in and when they're going to come out so that your next round of seeds, if they're not a success, a successive sow, maybe it's a new crop. And then we're thinking crop rotation. Okay. I pulled all my carrots out. I'm done with carrots. What am I putting in now? What do I follow my root crops with? So that's what we want to think about with days to maturity if we're going to get really granular. And then, as I just mentioned, the variety of the plant you choose based on your goals, based on where you live can become very important and also based on your tastes. Like there's a certain type of spinach I just love. I love the taste of it. It does well in my climate. It's just, it's a winner for me. So I'm always going to choose that guy and I'm going to try and look for other seeds that are similar, other lettuce varieties that have a similar thing going. Speaking of lettuce, with crops that bolt quickly um, or with a climate that can have big swings in temperature or a lot of heat, we want to look for plants that are bolt resistant, heat resistant, and or frost resistant. And again, these are climate things, but your seed catalogs often will spell these out. Definitely the Johnny's one will. Sometimes the website will deep dive on it too, um, depending on where you're shopping. But these are things to think about. Like that exists. I think when I first started gardening, I didn't realize I could choose my plants that were better suited for my garden. And and you just you just get to know it as you go. But it's like all a part of the magic, right? Okay. So now that that's kind of it, those, those are, that's five points basically to really keep in mind as you're looking through your seed catalogs. Um, but then I want to kind of peel it back another layer and talk about choosing plants. And the number one thing I feel like we need to really understand as gardeners, each season is our goal. Are we working to replace all of the produce that we purchase? Are we going to just grow what we can in the space we have? Are we going cut flowers this year? Are we replacing just some of our veggies? I kind of came up with this poker planting system where I really key into like main crops that I want to replace that I use the most. And then I layer things in from there based on what we use and what we like, what I can buy at a local farm we all come up with our own little system, but having your goal set and being able to tune back into that is important because honestly, it's a thing. Like we all always buy too many seeds. We're so excited. The packages are so pretty. It's like this hopeful moment where we're like, oh my gosh, look at all of this that I can grow. And then you're thinking of all the things that you can make and all the things you want to share. But then when you get into the thick of gardening, often we don't have enough time we don't have enough space. We forget what inspired us in the first place. And then we're like, oh my God, now I have to store and organize all these seeds. You know? Okay. So set up a goal, get really clear on it. And for me, as an example, my goal usually is to replace a significant amount of what we buy, as well as to lean into like the ROI of each plant. I have an episode all about this, like the ROI. I think I have an episode all about this. I definitely have if I don't, I'm recording it ASAP. But one of the points that I've made somewhere along the line is all of our crops have an ROI. It's the amount of time, money, and space that they take up. Return on investment is ROI. It's like a business term. I don't grow strawberries anymore because they get totally attacked by pill bugs, my kids, birds. They take up a ton of space. 
they're, they just always come out mediocre. I just don't, it's like, there's a local farm. We can do a U pick. It's expensive as all get out, but like, it's fine. It's its own experience. That's how we do strawberries. Um, if I was going to grow my own strawberries, I would have to dedicate an entire bed to them. We need to get a freeze dryer, make the crunchy strawberries. Like it's just, it's too much. So I don't grow strawberries anymore. I purchase them. And that is me on my journey. However, I can fully replace onions and I can fully replace garlic. I can fully replace, um, you know, spinach, things like that. So I lean in where I do well, and then I supplement where I don't. And that's a life lesson for you all. Okay. So the next step in choosing your plants, maybe this seems obvious, maybe not. Number one, what do you eat and use and love and enjoy and just can't get enough of? Obviously grow those things. And then if you find that you really like to share, like we love sharing the veggies, what else do you want to grow in abundance of that's easy to share that other people like as well? We grew a ton of pumpkins this year, more than we needed for sure. But next year, if I grow that many pumpkins, I'm going to have a plan for them. It was very exciting to harvest them all because I was like, oh my God, oh my God, look at all these pumpkins. Like no pumpkin patch for us this year, which maybe my kids will look back and be like devastated. Like mom made us grow our own pumpkins. We never got to go to the patch, but it was lovely for me. (laughs) Um, So what do you eat, use, and want to share? Number one. Number two, what is exciting to you? What are you curious about? What is new? You're going to go through these catalogs and be like, cucumelons? Yes. Or you've seen someone talk about it on Instagram, like, you know, some sort of beautiful, I, I grew this pink senorita zinnia this year. Loved it. It was a new one for me. Like, yes. I always have something that I'm either trying to grow that I've never been able to. I'm trying to figure out when to plant it and how well it does. And if I like it, like daikon radish this year, I really wanted to get a bunch of daikon radish. I saw some cool recipe for Chinese New Year. I mean, this is how my brain works, you guys. Anyways, couldn't get them grown because my garden is all sorts of challenges this fall. However, she's still on my radar. Like I'm not going to let her go. Daikon radish, I'm going to circle through. Radicchio is another one. Um, It's like, I want to figure out how to like unpack and hack these plants and make them work for me. So I always have those on my list. And then thirdly, what is beautiful to you? And and I kind of mean that in a sense of obviously what brings you joy? What do you literally think is beautiful? Um, But that's also skewing pollinator. So what flowers can we add into the mix that will bring in all those good pollinators? And sometimes those are perennials. I want to do a whole episode on perennials because they're just so good. Um, they could be annuals, they could be edible flowers, they could be, you know, cut flowers, a mixture of both. Um, which flowers are beautiful to you? What do you like to arrange with? And then usually they're multi-purpose. They can act as trap plants, which make great companions, or like I said, they're edible or they're, you know, deterring pests, bringing in the good pests. There's so much goodness with the pollinators. So add, you have to add those in, non-negotiable. All of my beds have some sort of flower in them always. And it's just a good rule of thumb to follow. So, um, okay. On the note of seeds, couple other things. For one, quick pause. I have a free seed planting guide that you guys can download. I will link to it in the show notes, but you can go to stand.store forward slash Bailey Van Tassel to download it. Um, S-T-A-N dot store, S-T-O-R-E forward slash Bailey Van Tassel. That's the scoop. 
free seed planting guide. I put all my info in there. Um, but I want you guys to be taking inventory of your seeds because I only like to keep them for around four to five years max. The reason you don't want to keep them longer, it can impact your germination rate and then you're spending a ton of time sowing these seeds and then nothing happens. Um, and in my seed starting seed starting seed planting freebie, I go into the details of how to successfully sow your seeds, what they all need, all the lessons I've learned. But this is one of them. I just tested some seeds that I got back in 2019 and they did germinate beautifully from row seven seeds, which is like a really small specialty seed company. They have like purple Beauregard peas and these little tiny, like fit in your hand size, baby butternut squash, really cool specialty items. And they germinated beautifully for me. So that was lovely. And that really pushed the edge. That was like, what am I, four or five years? So um, if you have the ability to test it out, test it out. But if you've got a bunch of old seeds, you know, just say a prayer. I love you. Release them. It's time to make room for fresh seeds. Um, Okay. And then lastly, for storing your seeds, everyone asks me this. Um, I use a plastic, I know, oof, um, but I use a photo storage container that has like little compartments in it. I'll put a link to that too. Um, but it's like a big case. And then within the case are maybe a dozen little four by six individual little carrier boxes that you could organize photographs in, but I use them for my seeds. And I order them based on season. I organize them based on season. So like spring, summer, winter, fall. Some people do alphabetical. It's all up to you, but I use some washi tape and I label them there. And then a couple of times a year, I go through and figure out what I'm looking for. I always end up pulling all my seeds out and setting them aside and then sowing them, you know, throughout a few weeks and kind of letting them sit out and just be a vibe, I guess. <laughs> um, because if things don't germinate or need a succession, so I like to have them on hand. So I have like a little, actually it's from Garrett Wade, um, this tool company I love, but it's like a little wooden seed organizer, just a little tabletop guy, very cute. And I keep sort of like the current season's seeds out in one of those. So it's a multi-part organizational system we've got over here. Would you expect anything less? No. Um, but that's why I keep them organized. So seeds, that's the scoop on that. Please download my free guide, literally free. Um, it's just giving you all the inside scoop and I hope it's super helpful. Hey guys, also, if you're loving the podcast, I would love if you subscribed and you left me a review so that the podcast gods know. Um, I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm loving the podcast and 2024 is gonna be a banger, you guys. I'm gonna be bringing in video like hello and some, I've already got uh, about half a dozen guests lined up that you guys are going to be obsessed with. Some of them are British, which we are even more obsessed with because of the accent. There, I said it. I play favorites. I hope you guys have a great day. Chat soon. I hope this episode has been balm for the soul and inspiration for the heart. I would love if you left a review to let me know your thoughts or anything you're interested in learning. And I'm so grateful that you found this space. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned, visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast.